Jackie Gleets with JH Farms in Waller, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the number of cattle and feedlots continues to drop. We'll check out the latest cattle on feed report, both the U.S. and the Texas feedlot numbers coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A Farm Bill listening session is held in Central Texas as farm and ranch organization leaders offer input on the 2023 legislation to the House Agriculture Committee. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have a report from Waco on Texas Ag Today. The long-awaited expansion of the FiberMax Center for Discovery in Lubbock is expected to get underway this year. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Sometimes turf grass gets a bum rap for using too much water and so forth, not being climate friendly, etc. It's important in Texas, and we're going to talk a little about Texas turf grass. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The monthly cattle on feed report came out Friday afternoon showing a drop in all three categories. The number of cattle in U.S. feedlots totaled 11.6 million head. That's down 4% from a year ago. Placements into the feedlots totaled 1.73 million, down 7%, while marketings of cattle out of the feedlots came in at 1.74 million, down 5%. Looking at the Texas feedlot numbers in the report, we have 2.78 million cattle on feed in Texas feed yards, down 5% from a year ago. Placements, 360,000 head, down 5% also, while marketings out of Texas feedlots totaled 340,000 head, down 5%. Texas' largest cattle convention is coming up this weekend in Fort Worth. The Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association is holding its annual meeting at the Fort Worth Convention Center. TSCRA President Arthur Uhl is expecting a nice crowd. We're looking forward to a great convention. I expect between 3,500 and 4,000 of our members. It's the largest cattle event in the Southwest. We're excited to have Dana Perino as our keynote speaker. Most people will remember her as press secretary for George W. Bush, now on Fox TV. But most people don't realize her deep roots in the cattle industry. Uhl says there will be educational events going on throughout the convention. Over 30 hours of um, educational programs. Uh, Randy Block and we'll give a market outlook from Cattle Facts. In conjunction with our annual me- membership meeting, we'll have live cattle demonstrations. Our topics range from animal health 
the carbon sequestration, and many more. Again, that's the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association's annual convention coming up this weekend in Fort Worth. Genetic testing sounds like something that's only available to the large seed stock operations, but that's no longer the case. Texas cow-calf producers can now affordably use genetic testing to evaluate their replacement heifers through a program called Inherit Select by Zoetis. So for years, I think commercial producers have been making their genetic decisions with the bulls that they buy. And so testing your heifers with Inherit Select is going to allow commercial cattle producers to access the same genomic insights that the seed stock producers are using on the other 50% of the equation, right? The females. Uh, And hopefully that will speed up the rate at which producers can make their genetic improvements in their herd. That's Dylan Preston with Zoetis. He says you can find out more about the Inherit Select program by going to InheritProgress.com. Farm groups from across Texas gave their input on the 2023 Farm Bill last week in Waco. Tom Nicoletti visits with a leader of one of those groups. My guest today is Cody Carson. He's representing the Texas sorghum producers, and he was in uh, Waco recently uh, to address concerns of uh, that organization uh, to a portion of the House Agriculture Committee that was uh, in uh, Central Texas and Waco for a Farm Bill listening session. And Cody, what are your main concerns that you uh, presented to the group? Tom, uh, great to be with you in a great session that we had today in Waco with uh, Chairman Thompson and other members of the, the House Act Committee. As we approach the new Farm Bill, I think the thing that resonated in the room, and you did have all segments of Texas agriculture and U.S. agriculture represented, I thought it was fantastic to see kind of a united front and a lot more commonality than than individual needs and wants. We all have to be respective of each other, and we're such a small part of the U.S. population. We have to to stand together. I think the thing that uh, came across loud and clear was that without RMA, and without some of the ad hoc disaster programs that have been passed around, many of us would not have been in the room today. We'd be out of business. That was a, a strong, consistent theme. Conservation, sustainability. We saw some needs from the forest industry, from the beef industry. Some discussion on international trade and, and how uh, strong our, our U.S. economy is dependent on, on a reciprocal trade agreement that we have. I think the main takeaway is trying to help the committee speak to their peers on the Hill and, and help resonate the fact that U.S. agriculture is not a an industry that takes, it is an industry that is part of our national security and, and helps provide food and fiber in a stable environment for the rest of the taxpayers in the country. That is Cody Carson representing the Texas Oregon producers at a Farm Bill listening session in Waco. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The expansion of the FiberMax Center for Discovery in Lubbock is expected to get underway this year. James Hunt has the story. It took a while to get all the funding in place, but you can expect work to begin on the expansion of the FiberMax Center for Discovery later this year. Lacey Halting, the executive director of the center, says the hope is the groundbreaking will take place by summer and the new addition will ultimately open in late 2024. The key feature of the museum's expansion will be a nearly 5,000 square foot children's wing, which Halting says will offer interactive exhibits designed for those fourth grade and younger to help them learn about agriculture as they play. You can go milk the cow, you can play on the water table, you can ride the pedal tractor, you can learn about crops, all the different cycles and places they go through. There's a vet clinic where 
Um, there's a sow where you can use a sonogram machine or an ultrasound machine and see how many piglets there are in the sow and, and do a printout of the piglets you find. Uh, there's horse care, sheep. So we actually did bring a lot more animal agriculture into the children's wing where a lot of the rest of our museum has been focused more on crops. Halsing says the children's wing will offer a special focus on careers in agriculture. So maybe you're playing with the water table and you really like water, so you might want to look at being an irrigation engineer or a water quality specialist, a hydrologist. Every station within the children's wing has what we call a career mentor that can tell you about all the jobs, both college degree jobs and trade skills that are related to that area of the exhibits, which I think is really cool and a benefit to the ag industry as a whole. The children's wing is a big deal, but there is more to the expansion of the FiberMax Center for Discovery, which we'll talk about in a later report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Spring is here and Texas turf grass will start greening up soon. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno says turf grass sometimes gets a bad rap, but it is important here in Texas. Well, it's that time of the year when turf grass is really starting to green up and grow, and we make really good decisions about when to fertilize, what kind of fertilizer, how much water to use, all those management decisions. And then throw in the fact that many areas became very, very cold, then you have freeze damage to deal with. We have everything from scalping yards in some areas to areas where they've already mowed them two or three times because of our growing zones. And so it's kind of hard to make a, a blanket recommendation, but here's the deal. We don't fertilize turf grass until it started growing. That tells us the roots are active and working. And we begin watering slightly before that growing season to kind of stimulate this growth, and that's important. One thing is important, or another thing, let's say, that is important, is that you shouldn't be mowing it too, too short. Those leaves are the factories. They're the ones that capture the sunlight, produce the food, and strengthen the roots so that you can have healthy grass. Many times we have people that are thinned out because of shade, because of poor management, lack of water, whatever the decision and they come up with the fact that maybe I ought to start over. And that is an option. But you always try to save what you have. That's usually the easiest way and probably the most economical. We usually say in the case of Bermuda, if you can walk through your yard and step on a sprig of Bermuda and you have adequate sunlight, then all you need to do is fertilize and water. And usually along about the time that you get into summer, it's covered and thick. And so those are the decisions you can save time, money on. And remember that one fertilizing a year is usually not necessary. Look at golf courses. They fertilize many times, two or three times a month in the case of golf greens. And it's light, frequent applications. Don't get carried away with too much fertilizer at one time. You'll have better results with light, frequent applications and good deep soakings on your turf grass. Gets the water down deep enough to those roots to encourage deeper roots. We do not want to encourage shallow roots because as soon as we get our typical Texas summers and that extreme heat, we have major issues with survival. This is John Begno reporting from San Angelo. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is seeking public input for its 2024 land and water plan. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag today. And coughing is a common complaint in small dogs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. 
As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Coughing is a common complaint in small dogs. Dr. Bob Judd says there are several things that can cause that coughing. Many dogs are presented to our practice with a complaint of coughing that sounds like they have something stuck in their throat. Although that is possible, it is highly unlikely, and most of these dogs that develop an acute cough have one of the canine infectious upper respiratory diseases, like kennel cough or canine flu. However, infection is uncommon in small breed dogs with chronic coughing, and this is the topic of today's program. Some of these cases will have chronic bronchitis, tracheal collapse, heartworm disease, heart failure, or other lung diseases. Most likely cause in small breed dogs are tracheal collapse or heart failure, and this requires a veterinary exam, chest x-rays, and sometimes ultrasound of the heart for a diagnosis. Many of these dogs are miserable due to constant coughing, and it makes the owners miserable as no one in the house can sleep due to this coughing. Tracheal collapse is the most common cause, and it is due to weakening of the cartilage rings that hold the trachea open and allows the trachea to collapse to varying degrees. This causes inflammation of the trachea and leads to coughing and pressure changes in the airway. Allergies can increase the cough, as can exercise or excitement. Lots of dogs also have bronchitis secondary to small airway collapse, and if a dog is overweight, this greatly increases the amount of coughing. If tracheal collapse is diagnosed, treatment with cough suppressants can help, but there is no method of curing this disease. Bronchodilators and corticosteroids can help management of this disease. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is seeking public input for its 2024 land and water plan. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is asking the public to help guide its future management decisions. TPWD is seeking public comment via a Texas A&M University online survey. The comments gathered through the survey will help inform an update of the state's land and water resources conservation and recreation plan. The 2024 plan is expected to identify specific strategies and science-based actions to be taken by TPWD over the next 10 years. It will help guide and evaluate the effectiveness of the department in delivering its mission, which is to manage and conserve the natural and cultural resources of the state and provide hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation for current and future generations. Dr. David Yaskowitz, TPWD's executive director, says as the agency looks ahead to the next 10 years and plans their work, public input is critically important to ensuring their programs continue to meet the needs of the state and all Texans. He said TPWD is committed to delivering effective natural resources stewardship and outdoor recreation programs that exemplify the highest standards of quality, service, and professionalism. The deadline to comment is Friday, April 14th. A link to the Texas A&M University survey is available on the TPWD website. That is tpwd. 
tpwd.texas.gov. Again, that's tpwd.texas.gov. The input gathered through the survey will be presented to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission for review at their August meeting. A draft of the plan will be shared publicly for review and feedback. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We saw a lot of red ink to kick off the trading week on Monday. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw red ink across the board to kick off the trading week on Monday. All of our agricultural markets ending lower. The cattle market, no exception. Now, live cattle did start out higher, getting support from Friday's cattle on feed report, which was a bit bullish for the market. But that support didn't last long. Around midday, we turned into the red and stayed there for the rest of the trading day. April live cattle finishing 30 cents lower, 162.02. The June down 87, 155.52. August live cattle down 65 at 155.75. Same thing on the feeder cattle. March feeders dropping 65 cents, 188.20. April feeder cattle down two, 194.62, with the May contract down 80 cents, 199.15. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Monday, as we usually see. We wrapped up last week selling cattle for 164 here in Texas. That's a buck lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher Monday, choice up 19 cents, 283.54. Select up $1.17 at two seventy three sixty one. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Ken Jordan, my guest. Ken sold cattle in San Saba Thursday. Ken, how was the sale? You bet, Larry. We ended up a little over 1,500 head of cattle today. I uh, had about 485 pack of or cows, about 20-something bulls, rest them all pretty well good calves and urines. The stalker steers sold uh, fully steady up to $6 a uh, hundred higher. Had a group of 13 steers, weighed 559, bought 254. Heifers probably sold steady to $4 higher. Our feeder steers, they were probably steady to $4 higher. Feeder heifers were fully steady, maybe a dollar higher on some instances of some of those. Packer cows on the overall were three dollars higher today. Top cows at dollar seventeen, and that cow weighed sixteen hundred thirty-five pounds. Darted out right at nineteen hundred thirty dollars, thirteen dollars on a packer cow today. I thought the packer bulls they were probably two dollars higher. Top bull today was a uh, dollar twenty-two on the top bull today. So very strong. A lot of activity on those pairs and bred cows. Uh, what we did have on the real good kind, we got a lot of, but they were very very good demand. Uh, but we just didn't get a true test, I think, with the limited supply that we had. Overall, very good market again. And this whole uh, starting at the beginning of the new year has been very strong. And I hope it will continue that, Larry, when we keep the little showers rain all the way. Good. Now we have a special Saturday. You bet. We have a special Saturday. I think we had about 24 
2,500 consigned. We've cleaned up about 200 head or so. We're running around that 23, something in that range. Uh, a lot of good pairs, bred cows and uh, bred heifers that are going to be offered Saturday. Uh, we've got the listings already up. We'll discuss on our website or they call or someone can and we'll uh, email them to you or whatever. But that's at jordanacala.com. We'll have a runner order up on Friday evening, probably around 6 o'clock or so or 6.30. And if you don't make it up there, you can also watch it live and participate if you signed up already too on the internet, Larry. And you can go to our website at jordanacala.com to get that. Well, neighbor, there's your livestock auction report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs dropped lower Monday. April hogs down 210 to close at 77.77. The May contract down $1.62 at 85.15. Class 3 milk was lower. March milk down 3 cents, 1804 a hundredweight. April milk down 18 cents at 18.99 a hundred. The cotton market finishing slightly lower as traders are keeping a close eye on Wednesday's Federal Reserve interest rate decision. Of course, that is causing nervousness in a lot of our agricultural markets as well as the outside financials. We close with May cotton down 61 points, 77.22. July cotton down 74 at 77.70. The December down 70 cents at 78.81 cents. Corn and wheat both suffering Monday as well. May corn dropping one and a quarter, 6.33 a bushel. September corn down a penny at 5.67 and three quarters. Russia okayed the Black Sea grain export deal over the weekend, so that weighed on our wheat markets a bit. July Kansas City wheat down seven and a half at 8.15 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down 11. 708 and a half. In the energy markets, April natural gas down nine cents at 224. April West Texas crude up 64 cents, 67.38 a barrel. The financial markets were higher Monday afternoon. The Dow up 297 points at 32,139. The NASDAQ up 16, 11,686. The SP up 24 at 3,940. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.